On January the 7th, 1947, the movie It's a Wonderful Life was released. Interesting enough, it was released after Christmas on January the 7th, and it met with quite lackluster reviews and lackluster audiences. It was not a Christmas classic, an immediate classic. Matter of fact, as that movie kind of kicked off, it was just kind of, eh, just a movie. About broke even kind of deal. Not a, not a great hit. In the movie, you know the story of George Bailey and, and the overwhelming problems that he had after his uncle had misplaced a check for $8,000 that needed to be deposited, and he thinks about ending his own life when an angel named Clarence is assigned to help save his life, and he does just that in an interesting way, but then gives a time of reflection over George Bailey's life on whether life would have been different without him or not. And he comes to the conclusion life would have been very, very different. But George had an overwhelming problem, and he could not find an answer anywhere. And so in this fictional story, an angel was sent. In Matthew chapter 1, there's a guy named Joseph, and he has a real problem. He has a real problem with a betrothed wife, which is not quite married and living together yet, but much stronger than an engagement. It is a promise to be married who comes up pregnant. And Joseph wonders, what do I do? And in this case, I don't believe that there's any theological justification for an angel named Clarence, but an angel nonetheless shows up to see him. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18. And we're going to think about how God cares, how God cares. Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to pick up in verse number 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. And with that, let's pray. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. 
May we never get over it. May our life be centered around that person, Jesus. May we find encouragement today in Jesus. May some find forgiveness today in Jesus. May some find hope today in Jesus. Move in our hearts today, Lord Jesus. Amen. The Christmas story is one that we have heard throughout all of our life. And because we've heard it all of our life and we know how it ends, sometimes we forget the challenges and difficulties of trying to put ourselves in a person's position like Joseph. Joseph has been told the news. You remember in Luke chapter 1, an angel comes to Mary and tells her that you are going to bring forth a son. And she says, how could this be? I've not known a man. I've not had any relationship with a man that would bring forth a baby. And the angel tells her that the Holy Spirit is going to move in her and over her. So now she has to share that with Joseph. Don't you just wonder how that conversation went? Don't you just wonder how he felt after hearing this? It has been silent for 400 years since the closing of the book of Malachi. They have not heard from a prophet. And now my betrothed wife is telling me that an angel has come to her and that she is going to have a baby and that baby is going to be the Messiah. Now, Joseph, probably like you and I, probably would have thought that sounds absolutely crazy. What is the matter with you? And yet... We find the touch of compassion in Joseph's life that instead of shaming her publicly and seeking punishment for her, he seeks just to do this quietly behind the scenes. I think we get a picture of the character of Joseph here. You can imagine that's the only thing he can think about. After that conversation... This is the only thing on his mind. It's it's repeating those words. It's seeing her face. It's hearing that, baby, you, what, Messiah? You can imagine him playing that conversation over and over in his mind. And finally, as he drifts off, an angel of the Lord appears to him. The message of Christmas is a message that God cares. That God would step into humanity in the person of Jesus. And we must understand that through this process and through the challenges of Mary and Joseph's life and the scandal that it would cause at this moment, it would provide a home for the Messiah and Savior of the world. An amazing moment that will never be repeated 
and can never be fully understood. Because God cares, he sent Jesus from heaven to earth so that we can go from earth to heaven. That's the picture of God's care. And as we see this in Matthew chapter 1, we get the picture God cares. And first we see that God cares. He sent his son. God cares. He sent his son. It has been silent for 400 years. The prophets have told us the Messiah is coming. And now as the angel comes and appears to Joseph, he gets this picture of God really is unfolding this wonderful plan. God sent his son. So let's notice some facts that we see about this. First, God sent his son conceived by the Holy Spirit. Notice with me in verse number 18 and in verse number 20. He says that before uh, they came together, the end of verse number 18, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then notice in verse number 20, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. God loves and God gives and God moves in a mighty and miraculous way that in the womb of a woman, but conceived by the work of the Spirit, we find the Messiah. Now, there's a challenge there because of humanity. The human problem inside of this and why Jesus had to be conceived by the Holy Spirit is that we have a sin nature that is passed down. Matter of fact, in Psalm 51 and verse number 5, David says that in sin I was conceived. That does not mean it was a sinful act. It gives the picture that a sin nature is passed down from parent to parent and has since Adam and Eve. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 3 and 4, it tells us that we are by nature children of wrath, that we have a propensity and a nature in us that moves us towards selfishness and sinfulness. I was sitting in a college class years ago, and uh, the teacher asked the question. We were, this was early American literature, and we were reading some of the early American writers and, and some of the Puritans, and he asked the question, how many of you think that man is naturally bad, and how many of you think that man is naturally good? So he asked the question. So he says, okay, first, how many of you believe that man is naturally bad? And about three of us raised their hand. And he said, then how many of you believe that man is naturally good? And the rest of the class raised their hand. And he says, well, I'm glad to see that we have a, a very optimistic class. I said, thinking in my own life, you don't have an optimistic class. You have an ignorant class. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, is that you don't have to teach babies how to be selfish and sinful. We pass that on. It has been passed down that through our sin nature. So God then is able to sidestep the sin nature and bring forth a son holy, 
Matter of fact, in Luke chapter 1 and verse number 35, as the angel speaks to Mary, it says, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. The Holy One. Jesus was holy at his birth. Can I tell you, you may not have shown it yet, but as a baby... You were an unholy baby. It just took a little while for it to come out, maybe. But can I tell you? It came out. It's come out of all of us. But God worked through the womb of a woman and sending his son conceived by the Holy Spirit. We also not only see that God moving supernaturally in this process, but we secondly, we see that God sent his son of the lineage of David. Notice how the angel addresses Joseph. Joseph, son of David. Why is this important? Because in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12 and 13, David is promised that there is going to come one after him through his line who is going to receive an eternal kingdom. So, Joseph, as the foster father of Jesus, the lineage of Joseph could be traced back to David. It's interesting, in Luke chapter 3, we look at the lineage of Mary, and guess where it goes back to? It goes back to David as well. So, through his earthly earthly father, and through his mother, we find that Jesus, in both instances, his lineage intersects with that of David to show that he has rightful place as the king. This is not coincidence. This is part of God's providence in us understanding the Old Testament. God cares. He sent his son. But understand that God cares he sent his son because of his love. It doesn't expressly say that in Matthew chapter 1. It doesn't expressly tell us that in Luke chapter 1 or Luke chapter 2. But John tells us, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. First John says, in this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son. Many years ago, about the time Julie and I were getting married and getting ready to go off to seminary, an elderly widow, in, or an elderly woman in our church, she would be a widow just a while later, her husband was very sick at the time, gave us a very sacrificial gift just to kind of help take care of us as we were pressing on to go to seminary. And I went to Russ Shinpo, who preached here at our missions conference, and I said, Russ, she can't afford to do that. Should I give it back? What do I do? And he said, buddy, trust the Lord that the Lord spoke to her and she knew what she was doing. Don't dishonor her or her sensitivity to the Lord and try to give it back. 
it would dishonor her. I remember those words. Don't dishonor her and try to give it back. Can I tell you, God has sent us the most sacrificial gift. And when we blow off Jesus at Christmas time and get caught off in the caught up in the materialism of the world around us. And we forget all about the reason for the season. And we miss our focus on Jesus. It dishonors the gift of his son. God sent his son. He cares. Not only do we see that God cares that he sent his son, but secondly, we see that God cares. He sent his son to save us from sin. Notice with me in in verse number 21 of Matthew chapter 1. He says, and she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Well, what is sin? Well, 1 John chapter 3, verse number 4 tells us that sin is lawlessness. And 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 17, it tells us that all unrighteousness is sin. So if we would set up the standard of the law or we would set up a perfect standard of righteousness, whenever we did something in our thought life or in our speaking life or in, in action, we stepped over God's law, we broke his law, or we did something that was unrighteous or thought something that was unrighteous or said something that was unrighteous, that would be sin. So for us, we find that there's a universal problem of sin, that we all have it. All of us are sinners. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3 and verse number 10 tells us, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is going to come a time that all of us say something, do something, think something, act in a way that is unrighteous and steps over God's perfect law. And if we think, oh, well, you know, I'm not that bad, then we look at James 4.17 where it says, therefore, to him who knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is a sin. So even the good things that God tells us to do, Love our neighbor as ourselves. Rejoice in the Lord always. Has there ever been a time you didn't rejoice in the Lord? Has there ever been a time you didn't love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Has there ever been a time that you didn't love your neighbor as yourself? I would say that all of us would stand before the God of the universe and recognize our universal problem. We've all done that sometime. I had a dentist years ago who I was trying to share my faith with, and he said, you know, we don't really have a sin problem. We might just have a few aberrations. Listen, this is more than an aberration. It's a problem of sin. So there's the, the universal problem. But notice with me in verse number 21, then, then what do we see? We see the eternal punishment because of that. Notice, he will save his people. He'll save them. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. There's the eternal punishment. He's got to save us from our sins because our sins, as Isaiah 59.1 and 2 says, our sins have separated you from your God. 
He tells us, the Lord's hand is not short that he cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear, but, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God. So the picture is, is that because we're sinners, we're separated from God. So what does God do? He's going to send his son Jesus to save us from our sins. So we see that sacrificial provision. His name will be called Jesus. He'll save his people from their sin. So can I make a confession about my Christmas movies? I opened up with It's a Wonderful Life. I actually watched all of It's a Wonderful Life for the first time this year on a plane coming back from Israel. That's the first time I actually sat down and watched the whole thing at one time. Now, I have caught all of the parts of the movie and watched it an hour here or 20 minutes here or 45 minutes here, but I've just never sat down and watched the whole movie. But there's another Christmas movie that I have watched probably for about the last 18 years. And that is the movie Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad. Matter of fact, we watched it Friday night. We watch it every year. And Arnold Schwarzenegger is a busy dad who's kind of disengaged with his kid because he's working all the time. And he's promised his kid he's going to get him a Turbo Man doll for Christmas. And so uh, he meets the guy, who the actor Sinbad, and those two guys are both after a Turbo Man doll. And they will lie, cheat, steal, show their greed, do everything they can to, to get this doll. Which, again, kind of sets the picture of how so many see this season. It's about getting something. It's about giving a a temporary gift. And I think of, you know, Turbo Man. Yeah, your kid will like that when he's seven or eight. But, you know, by the time he's seven and a half or eight and a half, it'll probably be in about three pieces and all the little things that it shoots are gone. You can't find them and... You know, it's not working exactly the same. At least that's my history. I don't know if I was just a weird kid, but most of my toys, I mean, I don't think they lasted till. I mean, some of them didn't last to the beginning of the year, but uh, anyway, some of them just didn't last very long. The picture is, is the real need that we have for Christmas is forgiveness of sin. And God has met that through Jesus. 1 John 4.14 says that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And in 1 Corinthians 15.3 and 4, it tells us that Christ died for our sins. It's not that we just recognize uh, the person of Jesus at Christmas, that he came to be a good example, that he came to live a good life, that he came to preach. Listen, he came to die. And he came to die for our sin. And he rose again. And he gives us and offers us salvation from sin. God cares. He wants to take care of the biggest problem you have. The problem of separation that comes because we're sinners. God cares. God cares so much that he sent his son to save us from sin. 
But also we see in this passage that God cares so much. Notice down with me in verse number 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. God cares so much that he sent his son to be with us, to be with us. I read a really interesting story uh, just in the past couple weeks. A guy named Cross Scott, his first name's Cross, which was interesting in and of itself, from Tucson, Arizona. On January the 25th of 2019, he's an automotive technician. He found some, a, a lady slumped over in her car in a parking lot, and uh, he broke the back window, opened the door up, and began to perform CPR on her. Now, he did, he'd never been trained in CPR, and I, I don't know where your humor is and what kind of sitcoms you have watched, but the only way that he knew how to do CPR was that he had just recently binged watch the TV show The Office. And there's an episode there where they do first aid training. And after watching that episode with the first aid training, he begins to play and sing out loud, staying alive, as he does heart compressions on this woman and saves her life. It's an amazing story. Unbelievable story that anything good would come out of the office. But anyway, I mean, just... But that was a one-time act. A one-time act. Cross Scott is not going to walk with this woman the rest of his life or the rest of her life. It was a one-time act to save her. And God, what I drive home is God did not send his son just to save us and then say, woohoo, go off on your own, live free. Do whatever you want. No. The picture is in verse number 23 is that God sent his son to be with us. His name, Emmanuel, God with us. So we see the incarnation, how God came to be with us. That Jesus walked here on earth in flesh. Now, as we think about that word uh, and, and that thought of the incarnation and Jesus coming to earth, we see that picture laid out. His name is going to be called Emmanuel. Jesus came to earth for us. John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then in John 1.14, it tells us that the word became flesh. We think of incarnation from the Latin, in, in. The word carne or carnis or carna is the word flesh. In flesh, Jesus came to earth and he took on knees and elbows and eyebrows and maybe even a receding hairline. I, I don't know, but he was actually so human that people would not recognize his deity. But at the same time, he was fully God in the flesh. Jesus came to be with us on earth. But at the moment of salvation, 
This picture of Emmanuel goes even a step further because in salvation, Jesus comes to live in us. This this is not just, look, I've saved your life, I've forgiven you of sin, and now you go on your own. No. In salvation, Jesus comes to live in us and abide with us and dwell in us forever and ever. So that when we think about his name, Emmanuel, God with us, we get the picture, Jesus living in us. He lives in us. He's alive and he lives in us today. See, at the moment of salvation, the Bible tells us in, in, in passages like Romans chapter 8, that the spirit comes to live in us. And Romans 8, 9 tells us if we don't have the spirit, we're not his. So the spirit of Christ, the spirit of Jesus, at that moment of salvation, lives in our life. Not just the salvation and you're on your way, but salvation. And now I'm going to walk with you for every breath and every step and every challenge and every trial and through every heartache and through every moment of the unknown. And I'll be with you every night when you have questions and I'll be with you every morning when you wake up and you have a gnawing pain in your life because things haven't turned out the way that you thought that they should. And he says, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And Hebrews makes it very clear that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Christmas is not just Jesus coming to save us. It's Jesus coming to save us and live in us. So, if you want to sing Christmas songs in July or March, go ahead. We can celebrate the truth of Christmas all year because Jesus came to save us, but Emmanuel is with us all the time. He never takes a day off. He never takes a lunch break. He never needs a little time away from you. Your spouse, maybe. You and your kids, yeah. You hire a sitter. You run to the store. But he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Not for a second. And he's got so much love that that love will not only carry you through all of life. But that love will sustain you and carry you through all eternity. And that's what makes Christmas so wonderful. It's that Jesus came to save us. Jesus comes to live in us forever. Infinity. We'll experience his presence now. But it's just a foretaste of experiencing the fullness of his presence later. In the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, George Bailey, after seeing how life would have been so different without him, kind of snaps back to reality and comes back to his home where there's an officer waiting with a warrant because of the money. But he's got friends have gathered money around him and a bank has given him uh, a forward on a loan of up to $25,000. And do you realize that $8,000 in that day would be about $100,000 today? So, I mean, this wasn't just a small piece of change here. 
So we, we get this picture. People are coming and people are, are thanking him. And then his brother comes back and he makes this statement to my brother, George Bailey, the richest man in town. Can I tell you today, your neighbors may not come over with baskets that have money in them. You might wish they did. I mean, that might be a dream. But you can be the richest man or woman in town. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he were rich, yet he made himself poor, that you, through his poverty, might be rich. If you know Jesus, you're the richest man, the richest woman in town. Do you know him? Has he forgiven you? Does he live in you? That's the message of Christmas. If you have been forgiven and you do know him and he does live within you, can I ask you, is he coming out through the love and joy and peace of the Holy Spirit working in your life. God cares for you so much that he would send Jesus from heaven to come to earth so that those of us on earth could have the assurance that one day we're going to go to heaven because God cares. And that's what he cares the most about.